0: Good morning, folks, and welcome to The Breakfast of Champions, a podcast from your pals over here at 20 Minute Tim's that nestles snugly in between flagship recordings. I'm Stephen, that's Melly. Melly, we are gathered here today for one reason, and for one reason only. Tom Rogic has announced his retirement, so I'm just going to get your immediate thoughts on that. But first of all,
1: how are you? I'm good, Stephen. Thanks. I thought when you said we are gathered here today, I thought you were going to hit <laughs> out with we're gathered here today to celebrate the career of Tom Rogic. A missed opportunity, I mate. Yeah, say, that's
0: always so. I thought you
1: were getting right into the ceremony there, but all good, mate. All good. Uh Tom Rogic's retiring was a surprise, but also not a surprise at all.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: The move to West Brom, we said at the time that didn't look like it was going to be very fruitful for him. Turns out it wasn't left and then just didn't get a contract to don't know if he really wanted a contract to and for a guy like that to retire you think ah oh, fair enough and then you hear he's only 30 and you're like I yeah, know, oh, Tom you could have been playing for another 4 or 5 years the way you play but we, I think a lot of the time we forget that footballers are human beings and when he came out uh, when he retired and explained his reasons, explained what's been going on over the last few years it all made perfect sense and complete and utterly fair play to the guy man if he wants to go and raise his family and be with his family
0: that I have no problem with that at all. No absolutely life and family must come first of course but there's no getting away from it it's not the ideal end to his career that said his career is is varied and colourful and and at times wonderful and we'll get into that of course but there's no getting away from the fact that losing a guy of that talent at 30 whether it's for the right reasons or not and it Undoubtedly, is for the right reasons, um, as detailed above, with the the family stuff, and I think he he detailed some struggles with and heartache with failed rounds of IVF and all that, and they finally managed to conceive twins after the the birth of their first daughter a couple of years ago so there, it's all After it's all the Law
1: intervenes Stephen I think you'll yes, find After yeah, that's, Law
0: intervenes That's right he thanks him um, he, he specifically thanks Peter Lowell and uh, Dermot Desmond for helping him out and providing him with the best of medical care for him and his family and everything so yeah Uh, A rare nice uh, story to come out of the the Celtic board behind the scenes for a change, but he did, before we go any further, he posted, I'm not going to read the entire thing, but he did, he posted something of a a statement on Instagram detailing the reasons behind him having moved on from football and his priorities in life having changed, basically, due to struggles with the aforementioned IVF, they've been lucky enough to get pregnant again and they're they're expecting twins in 2024. They express pride at having represented Celtic in Australia and thanks a number of managers, Peter Lowell and Dermot Desmond. Um but it's you're right, it's it's like it's surprising and simultaneously unsurprising because his his post Celtic career hadn't worked out really at all. I think when he signed for West Brom, people were confused and a little bit sort of Maybe annoyed at it because he'd left Celtic, and the I think the general impression was that he's going to go home. He's going to go to, yeah. back to Australia, and for him to rock up in a very sort of unfashionable club in an unfashionable league, unfashionable league, and all that. I think it, unfashionable it maybe, city, Stephen. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So it raised a few eyebrows. But what I would say to that is that I think I think people sometimes think that th- these things are all planned out. People have got their their plans all out in front of them. I think he just, he left Celtic for reasons that have now become clear now. Um, But it's probably something that just fell in his lap. You know, he he may be expected to get a, a deal closer back to Australia or in Australia. Things didn't work out for him. Look, we hear about it all the time. Transfers just don't work out. They fall through at the last minute. I've got an offer there from West Brom. Let's give it a go for a season. Let's see if we can delay the retirement or the the trip home for a season and and see how we got on. Whether he's just been completely scarred by that because it didn't work out at all. I think he made six appearances scoring one goal and he's just thought, ah, look, life's kind of got in the way now. I've not, My heart's not really in this anymore. Let's just call it a day while, while I'm up. It's relatively on top. Yeah, I think
1: the West Brom deal just... Didn't make sense from my point of view I thought going down to the Championship that league can't eat you up and it is 40 odd games a season Tom Rogic can't do that he can't play Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Tuesday every week so I thought he would struggle there but I still thought he was a good enough player to make an impression there but it didn't work out like that some some people are just built for certain clubs and Tom Rogic was built for Celtic at a point not always when he was there but he just he hit his peak there and that was it for him I think I don't know, he, his family comes first obviously but I can. I could imagine maybe in a few months or so he, he might come out of retirement and get a team in Australia, I always thought yeah, he'd go yeah. back to Australia and play so I wouldn't rule that out but he can do what he wants to do man, he's been a great player for Celtic and while we look at this and go I could play for somebody else, he, he might come out of retirement I don't really care man he can do what he wants but Celtic got the best of Tong Rogic and it was a great best to have. He had absolutely everything in there in his Celtic career. Great player, very sad watching him go off that pitch and it's been great just getting here to sit and gush over him and watch back all his goals and that. But you mentioned at the start... uh, when you started speaking there, something about a wonderful career or something. And I got that twitch because watching all his goals, you get that Celtic TV commentator <laughs> and he just ruins every <laughs> big moment. You're so used the to the of, of the Sky or the BBC thing, but listening to the Celtic TV commentary, are we so a many big moments in his it? Goals, wonderful. He's in the back. <laughs> oh, it's just screeching, man. I know he's so a many Celtic historical man, moments. You've you've got to sort of not remain impartial, but you've got to remember you're doing a job and that's commentating, not squealing in my ear like a banshee, man. Some (laughs) awful commentating over some great goals and Rogic has got it all in there with the goals, the performances, doing it against certain teams, doing it in finals. He's got everything, man. He's just a
0: great player and a pleasure to watch. He's maybe one of the more Unusual, maybe one of the more interesting characters we've had at Celtic in in recent times because he was he was a guy who I speculated on it before. Now, not having any idea what goes on behind the scenes and what goes on in his family life that has come to light now, but that that was kind of the whole point. Nobody really knew anything about Tom Rogic. He never spoke. Yeah. N- no one ever really heard from him. So he always struck me as one of the guys who I could see retiring early and nothing to do with family reasons or anything like that, but purely just because he could, purely just because I'm not going to be one of these guys that plays to 35, 36. I've kind of had my my fill of it. I'll move on. I'll maybe have a couple of seasons in Japan or or one of these kind of far-flung places and then chuck it all together. But he's he's a very, very unusual character when you you look back across his career because a a very unusual origin for a start, and and we'll get into that in a wee second. Do you think he... He's maybe one of these guys who likes football but doesn't love it. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm getting at. So there have been a few over the the years, and I'm actually wearing the, the T-shirt of one of those guys right now, Hidetoshi Nakata. Nakata, the Japanese legend, he was a bit like that. He was a top-class footballer who just wasn't really all that into it, just considered it as a, a career. I, I just happen to be very good at this. Don't really necessarily see myself in it long-term. And I, I never saw Tom Rogic with what little I knew of his personality. I never saw him being a coach or a manager or anything like no. that. That could come. It could come. Again, he, he might sort of get to... He's very, very young. He's still, I mean, 30 years old. He's very young, so he's got a lot of life ahead of him a lot of choices still to make. It might come, but I never saw him as that type. So I thought uh, as soon as he gets to like 32, 33, he's out of here and we'll probably never hear from him again. So I'm not, I'm not entirely surprised that he has retired now, just... Just that it's at thirty, that, that seems a bit of a shame, a little bit of a waste. Purely from a selfish point of view, again, it's not up to me. But just, I would like to have seen Tom Rogic play on. And I, uh, there's not many players that I probably would have followed the career of if he goes and plays in Australia and all that. But I might have made an exception for Tom Ruggets, to be honest, such was my my fondness for him. But the origin that I spoke of there, it's, it's really strange because he he have he'd already represented Australia at Futsal. If you if you don't really know what Futsal is, it's kind of like. It's like five-a-sides, really, but it's like indoor football with a a small, heavy, a kind of hard ball to, to stop it bouncing, but it's it's played entirely on the ground. It's like a sort of five-a-sides-style football. Uh, you'll it, not hear much about it in Scotland, don't worry. No, 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 not popular here for whatever reason. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you can't put it over knee height, never mind head height at fives. But, aye, so it, it came up through that. It's represented Australia at that a few times. And then it entered a thing called The Chance. Now, people in Australia or people, they might be more familiar with this. I tried to dig up some information on it, but the best I could do was that it was a kind of like a fly-in-the-wall sort of docu series following young footballers as they entered into a competition to be whittled down to a final eight, The the last of which would be entered into the Nike Football Academy. So that yeah. is almost like a, it's almost like Tom Rogic is a reality TV star who got a, who got a contract at Celtic eventually. It's a really, really quite interesting start. Uh, I've watched, uh, there's a little 10 minute episode of it and it's, Guys from all over the world. There's like Argentinian teenagers and Brazilian boys and all that. And Tom Rogic is there, looking exactly the same as he does now. Same haircut, only a little oh, bit shit. more feathered back then. Yeah, a little bit more grown in back then, and a wee bit lankier. But pretty much looked exactly the same throughout his entire career. But it's it's really it's really interesting to see. It's like 10, 11 years old now. Um, I, d- I don't know if it's still going, but that's that's where he came from and, and through the Nike Academy. It's a such a weird a weird start to his career.
1: Yeah, competition winner that gets to Celtic, and it's not the first time. I've had uh, a few of them,
0: eh?
1: <laughs> <laughs> We've had. Uh, I remember seeing the Coca Cola where you could enter to get yes. your team to win two hundred and fifty thousand pounds towards buying a player. And you know who won it, Stephen? Uh, was it? Was it
0: Kazim Richards? That was it bought, was Big Z, uh, eh? Brilliant. <laughs> Tom Rogan's teammate so, at Celtic. Yeah, but a couple of competition winners in the same team— incredible. So he enters the, the Nike Football Academy and impresses. He gets down to the last eight, but this is where it could have all been very, very different. So, so different for Tom Rogic, having been impressed by the young Australian while seeing him in action at the Nike Football Academy. Reading FC made their first move to bring him to the club. And do you know who was heavily involved in this? Nicky Hammond. Mm. Nicky Hammond went to court. To, to try and get Yeah so They had him in the door They invited him to training In 2011 And after watching him Playing some You know The usual sort of Training sessions Behind closed doors Trial games and all that They offered him A professional contract Everything was agreed Only for it to fall Through at the final huddle When he was denied A work permit As was As kind of often happens He was really young Yet to get Australian caps Obviously he's still very young But he went on to have Four or five In the, a very early c- Stage of his career But Nick Hammond He took the case to a tribunal, claiming Rogic should be allowed to play in the country because he was a, quote, special talent, but it was refused. So that meant Rogic had to go back to Australia to continue his career. So he went back to Central Coast Mariners. Could have all been so, so different. Nicky Hammond, who's, what was he at Celtic? He was the consultant director director of football. football, Yeah, some, some really, really odd, some really odd role for all of about, I don't know, was it a year? Something Nicky Hammond was assertive. That's kind of what it feels like. So he was at the at Central Coast Mariners in January 2012 and was nominated for the NAB Young Football of the Year Award at the end of his first full season. But Reading kept at it. They made another move uh, a year later while he'd been at, um, at Central Coast Mariners. This time it looked like everything was sorted with uh, the chairman, Peter Turnbull, saying, quote, ''We have been in discussions and both clubs are fairly satisfied with what's on the table.'' Now it's up to Tom to reach a personal agreement with Reading. The way things are now, I would expect that things will be resolved by the end of the week. Spoiler alert, that didn't happen. And a few (laughs) days later, he was at Scottish Giants Celtic for uh, about £400,000, I think it was, that Celtic paid for him. So he could have been in this dream move in the Championship this whole time, never mind going to Celtic. I think if you hadn't mentioned the name, there's a
1: pretty high possibility I would have never thought about Nicky Hammond ever again <laughs> no. in my life
0: <laughs> no he, he goes into a, a special category just with uh, Dom Mackay him and Dom Mackay oh, uh, alone and, and guys who came and went having achieved absolutely nothing at the club was Tom Rogich a project a
1: guy well, that's coming in not a fully fledged professional footballer probably due to the foot Sally hadn't he been playing professionally that long Celtic sign him There's no chance he's coming straight into the team, maybe need to refine things and then
0: send him out on loan, bring him back and that's him. I think Tom Rogic might be a rare, if not the only, example where this actually happens. See, this thing that people think happens all the time, that we bring in these so-called projects and it takes a long time to settle and he goes out on loan and he's at the club for a long time before making an impact. I think this might be it, this might be the archetypal example of it, whereas... People talk about it as if it happens all the time, when really it's very, very rare. And Tom Rogic is maybe the most glaring example of it ever happened because he's—you look back. I mean, he's quite. I mean, it sounds like we're being churlish about it, but a competition winner—that's literally what he was. (laughs) It was basically a—he won won a big trial to get to an academy, and Celtic spotted him from there. So, having brought him in, and he barely played at first. He barely played in his first season, but this was with a Celtic team with what. Scott Brown, Victor Wanyama, Joe Ledley, Beram Kayal, yeah. even even younger guys like Dylan McGee would have been around then, maybe playing 12, 13, 14 appearances that he season. May have been so, there. Oh, yeah, it might have been the tail end of him. So it's hardly, even guys like, I don't know, Chris Commons, a wee bit further forward. So the, James Forrest still breaking through. So it had attacking, attacking players. So it's, it's, um, it, it's not surprising that he didn't play an awful lot at first. So I think that season. He made three starts from February to May and two of those were in defeats to Motherwell. (laughs) So it wasn't one of the greatest of starts of him. I think three starts in about six or eight appearances in his first season. So a kind of low-key start to his Celtic career, to say the least. Yeah, I I tried to
1: find it, but I couldn't find it. I thought it was against Inverness, but I might be wrong. But I'm trying to place it. I remember being at the game, I think it was kind of towards the end of a season. So I think it might have been this season, his first one. And I remember him playing and Celtic had cantered the league. It was fine. And I'm sure, let Neil Lennon switch formations a lot. I'm sure Tom Rogic played in a diamond. But I'm sure he played at the bottom of a diamond. before wow. thought it was against Inverness Pierlo. or something. I might, I might be wrong, but... He did not play well, surprisingly, but uh, I think I, I remember seeing that because I, I remember I'm sure my season ticket was down at the near the front at that time, and I, I'm sure I remember seeing it going, I don't know if this guy's got it, but lo and behold, that was his position. But I might be just making that up
0: my mind's eye. Well, they did play against Cali Thistle quite early in his Celtic career, but it was the following season, so the following season he made a, he started a further two games. But it was quite early that season because he went on out on loan for the rest of it. He started a further two games the season after that and that was a home draw with Gally Thistle. So that could be where you're sort of conflating uh, a couple of different then. things. And a home de- a home defeat to Greenock Morton in the cup that put Ooh. Celtic out. The Doogie Imry 97th minute penalty or whatever the hell it was. I can't remember. Something ridiculous like that. So not a great start to his Celtic career. So he started about five games across a season and a half and I barely won a game with Tom Rogic and the team it's like that old um, remember Gareth Bale oh, uh, when, when Spurs first started playing Gareth Bale before he went on to be a world class player who won about four Champions Leagues he was basically a cursed player <laughs> at the start for Spurs so he was a bit like that for, for Celtic couldn't he win a game with Tom Rogic and the team about 18 months, 2 years ago I started The Chance and uh, eventually go in going into the Nike Academy and then
1: from there I left after 6 months and I played 12 months in Australia with Central Coast Mariners and a good 12 months for me and made into the the national team. And uh, I guess that whole journey sort of culminated with me signing with Celtic. Yeah, I'm settling quite well, getting used to the weather. That's probably the biggest change for me coming from an Australian summer. But uh, it's been good, I've enjoyed it all and I'm enjoying being a part of Celtic Football Club. Just being around the players, has been my biggest change for me. The quality is the step up and the temper. Um, it's something I, I wasn't quite used to, but I feel I'm adapting. He's tall, he's elegant, he's got really good feet, you know, quick feet. He's just excellent technique and um, he has an eye for a goal. You know, Tom's obviously through the, the Nike competition, which you we know, should be very proud of because you've unearthed a, a gem in our eyes with this. He's taken full advantage of that situation. He's had a good year with Central Coast and um, you know, he's caught all
0: right. You know, I'm very pleased because I've got myself a very good player now. So yeah, as previously mentioned, he spent the rest of that season out on loan to Melbourne Victory, so he's already back in Australia, just a, a season and a bit into his Celtic career. I'll be honest, I'm not going to pretend that, oh, I remember thinking this when he went back to Australia. The truth is, I, don't, I barely remember him going out on loan at all because it was so low-key. It was such a, a very low grade signing at the time. He'd barely played when he did feature. Even. Of course, it was. Yes, it was. So it was. It was low grade or low key signing. Hadn't really made much of an impact. Couldn't even win a game. Celtic weren't p- playing particularly well when Tom Rogic was getting chances. So I completely forgot about him. But it did. It did start to feel like one of those guys, didn't it? It just felt like we've already mentioned the P word project, right? It did start to feel like. The Twarzicks, like uh Andrew Blackman, guys like that who just come in as total punts, barely play at all and just disappeared. So I remember very, very little about it other than hearing, all right, that's guy, that guy's away back to Australia. We'll probably never see him again, basically. So how how wrong I was, but it did start to feel like just another one of those who cares signings at that stage. Yeah, and Celtic were absolutely full of them at that time because yeah.
1: Rangers weren't in the league Celtic. Decided to take punts on a lot of these guys. And a lot of them just simply didn't work out. They were just not good enough. But Rogic at that time you probably couldn't ever see him coming back and making an impact. Neil Lennon as well as I said switched up formations. But never really played a number 10 all the time. And if he did it was going to be Chris Commons. So games would have been hard to come by for him. And I think it's one of those ones where if he had a left Celtic you wouldn't have really thought much of it. No, You'd have thought no. um, that guy. and Maybe he would have went on to have a decent career somewhere else. Probably kind of like Pookie. maybe. Came at Celtic, didn't work out. And then years and years later, he's doing all right somewhere. You'd have went, oh, but he wasn't great at Celtic. I don't think it was a, would have been a big deal. But boy, oh boy,
0: I'm glad he stuck around, Stephen. Yeah, and even at that, it obviously we'll never know, thankfully, because he did stick around and did finally make his mark at Celtic. But... I also wouldn't have been surprised. Or looking back, I wouldn't be. You know, it it kind of makes sense in my head that Tom Rogic and Celtic were such a good fit that I don't know if it would have worked anywhere else. I, there's a no. a parallel universe where I can see Tom Rogic having his fingers burnt with a trial at Celtic, or not so much a trial, but you know, a, a first couple of seasons with a professional contract at Celtic hasn't really worked out for him. He goes back to Melbourne, uh, victory, and thinks, Do you know what, can I get it good here? Why don't I just stay here? And he never, he never makes that trip back to Europe like a lot of players probably do. So there is a, there is a universe where that happens, and we never get the, the magic of Tom Rogic or, or they do, but it becomes one of those local stories for Australia, for Australians, where he's absolutely amazing in that league. He gets international caps, but never really gets that European recognition that he went on to get. Stephen, it's all Celtic intertwined here. I think if I've
1: got my dates right. Ange Postacoglu leaves Melbourne Victory and I think it's october twenty thirteen alongside Kevin Musket. Tom Rockets right. joins january twenty fourteen to try right, and get right, into okay. the World
0: Cup squad, which Ange Postecoglou has went to Australia. Yeah, to <laughs> right. And he doesn't pick him. He leaves him out. So he goes back to <laughs> Australia. He goes back to Australia to try and keep his. I think by that point he's maybe got four, five, six caps. So he has got a little bit of international recognition. He's not. He's not fully established yet. And he's probably feeling that Celtic career's no not gone great so far. So maybe if I get back into the manager's sights by going back to Australia, it might work out. But. Sadly not. He wasn't picked for the twenty fourteen World Cup. Um, unfortunately, even though I, I Ange I always knew he was a rat. <laughs> 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 he turned drugies down. So uh, the the next season he doesn't play at all. He didn't play at all in Ronnie Diala's first season at, at Celtic. So I don't know if that's a combination of injuries just uh, been unfancied both so I think he, he comes back towards the very very end of the season but he doesn't make a single appearance so it's it's very I mean it's it's not going well for him at all I think it, it, so I think it's, it's maybe between the Greenock Morton game and almost two years later he doesn't start a single game for Celtic and that's in the Partick Thistle game in Ronnie Dialer's second season he comes in out of the blue Ronnie Dyla gives him a chance and he plays against Partick Thistle scoring his first Celtic goal all this time after having signed for Celtic, that brilliant hip Peach. height, yeah, it was like a, it's like a, somebody tees it up for him and he hits it downwards, it kind of a side he, heel, yeah, side yeah. heel. It's it. like it's like hip height and he just sort of hits it downwards into the far corner, an absolutely brilliant goal. Yeah, I remember it.
1: Uh, I think I think it was a early Saturday kickoff. It might have been in between Champions League qualifiers or something. Mm. I think because maybe Tom Rogic gets a chance, but even when he comes in here. It's not until the sort of second half of the season where he sort of cements his place under Ronnie Dyler And this season was the season we started the podcast, Stephen, wasn't it? So Yeah, it's September twenty fifteen. This is what we call the, the three Ds, the Dark Dyler days. It was a really poor season for Celtic. And towards the end of it it was Tom Rogic, Paddy Roberts and Lee Griffiths that sort of had any sort of bright sparks for Celtic.
0: Yeah, he made thirty nine appearances and scored ten goals that season. So it's it's a bit of a turnaround for him again. Yeah, it's not a great time for Celtic. Um, but there's the main part of it was the goal that basically saved Ronnie Dial Celtic career for a time. No, it, it was the goal at the end of this season, but the goal at last minute goal at Comarnock uh, on that plastic pitch wearing that green sort of pinstripe away away kit, absolute belter as well. That goal, for context here, it's a long time ago, so for context, that game came after having drawn with Hamilton and Dundee and only beaten Partick Thistle 2-1 the the week before. So that Celtic were in stuttering form at, on top of that disastrous Europa League run. So finished bottom of the group with, what was it, who was in that, Molde? Was it Molde and Fenerbahce and someone else, Ajax, I think it was, didn't win a single game. Patience was running thin. We'd gone out of the League Cup to Ross County in the January, I think it was as well. So uh, another draw to Kilmarnock and I think people are starting to starting to lose their patience altogether with Ronnie Adaila and upstepped Tom Rogic with an absolutely incredible goal. Um, it, it, we could mention it just now, right? But in the aforementioned Instagram announcement of uh, Tom Rogic's retirement, he mentioned several people by name he mentions several managers by name, including John Kennedy. So he mentions Ange, Neil Lennon, Brendan Rodgers, John Kennedy, Peter Lowell, Dermot Desmond, separately, right, for the very different reasons. But he doesn't mention Ronnie Tyler at, at all. Yeah. That is either an oversight or it's just not that big a deal. It just doesn't feel like thanking Ronnie Dyler because he doesn't feel like he's got anything to thank him for. That's not, To me, I, I saw a lot of replies to it saying, oh, where's Ronnie? Where's Ronnie? Um But, should we really be that surprised? Because in recent times, we've we've come to terms with the fact that Matt O'Reilly has come out of his shell a wee bit, has basically all but admitted that he prefers playing under Brendan Rodgers than under Ange. It's not it's not all that different. It's not, it's not all that unusual, is it, for a player to just not quite vibe with a certain manager? And maybe if he's sitting down, looking over his career, Ronnie Dial is just a kind of a footnote. He doesn't really think he's all that important. Yes, he gave him his chance at Celtic. He brought him back into the team, uh, really surprising everyone. But maybe he just doesn't think that Ronnie Dyler had all that much of an impact on his career. I don't think it's necessarily a, oh, that's a pointed dig, or that's a stabbing Ronnie in the back and all that. I just think it's maybe just, aye, well, I've just just kind of forgot Ronnie was there, really. No, he didn't mention any of the West Brom
1: managers either. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Neil Lennon gives him his chance at Celtic. Ronnie Dyler starts playing him, but had success under all the other managers he, he had a maybe a bond with them maybe Ronnie Dyler was one of these guys who was just a guy he worked under for a while we've, we've all got yeah. it there's all certain people and Stephen maybe because you just come to the fact that he was a crap manager <laughs> a, <laughs> a, a terrible manager Look, How lovely much guy and all, ignore? <laughs> uh, lovely guy and all that but uh, Big Z came out and slated yeah. him recently Tom to forgets to mention him we call it the Dark Dialer days. He's a nice guy. We had him on the podcast. Seemed to love Celtic, but just wasn't good enough to manage Celtic yeah. at that point. Went on to have a decent enough career, but just wasn't good enough. And I don't think it's a a massive deal, but Tom Rogic played a part in saving Ronnie Dialer and also getting him the sack because he missed one of the penalties in yes, that Rangers yeah. game. He did come on and score the equaliser to make it to each, but... I remember that season, I've mentioned it a few times, we were doing a, a match companion, we used to do that, so we'd meet up before the game, talk about it, do a wee bit at half time and then do a bit at the end and we were doing it for a game up at Pataudry that season and we were getting beat. Johnny Hayes scored an absolute Straight.
0: screamer that. Yeah.
1: and this meant Aberdeen were within points of Celtic and we had to come on at half time and <laughs> discuss the fact that Celtic might lose the league to Aberdeen and we just started it by going, shit, <laughs> like, what, what's happening here, what is happening? We were oh. close to Aberdeen overtaking us in a league title race but that's why that goal at Kilmarnock was so important. Aberdeen played later that day. I remember this game was a Saturday morning. Celtic were poor in the game. And Ronnie Dyler just lit up the Ronnie Dyler. Tom Rogic <laughs> lit up the place with that goal. An absolute screamer of the highest order. I think Crocker says if you're going to win a game, that's the way to win it, or something like that. One of his usual sayings. But yes. oh what a goal, man. And I remember being on the Monday podcast after that. And Celtic fans were getting slated for celebrating that goal. And you're like, that's what football's <laughs> about. Does it matter whether you play good or whether you should beat Kilmarnock 1-2 or 3-0? Scoring a goal like that in the last minute when you've been crap is absolutely brilliant. That A goal like that should always be celebrated. It was a peach and you see the sort of Backlift he gets when you see it in slow motion from behind, how his legs come off the ground, and yeah. you can just see it bending in towards the top corner and absolute pandemonium. Ronnie Dyla and John Kennedy are running down the touchline. So the coaching staff have got a really nice black New Balance zipper hanging yeah. over the head Hang on. I, I remember that go well. I remember watching it in my house myself, jumping about. It was brilliant but Celtic were
0: crap <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a complete nonsense that uh, celebration polis thing that people do after stuff like that, it, it's just not a factor at all, it's like I, I appreciate that in theory you shouldn't celebrate as much against for example, Kilmarnock as you do a last minute winner against for example Real Madrid, I appreciate the theory about that, but it's not theory, it's emotion It's it's the yeah. experience of the time, no player scores a goal that you're desperate for because ultimately three points is three points right that, it doesn't really matter who you've scored that against but it's it's in the last minute the stakes are high the team is going off the rails the manager's about to get potentially sacked you score a goal no one is going to hit that in and the fans aren't going to just start doing the calculations. Oh wait, maybe I don't feel at like this because it's actually <laughs> see when you compare the budgets of the two teams. Really, what you what I should do is just give a simple punch of the air and sit back down in right, my seat. You and Murray, uh, yeah, I know it, it. just doesn't work like that as well. And if you were to strip, if I'm sure, if you and Murray and whoever else, I think Tam Cowan was at it quite recently as well. If you were all to sit down and be honest about it, do you want emotion entirely stripped from the game of football? Altogether, so that we're only talking about budgets. Should we just do that? Should we just put the teams out, decide who's got the most money in the bank, and award the three points based on that at all? No, it's not how it works at all. So, uh, it's it's a very very tedious aspect of the the coverage in this country. And I, I, do they do it in others other countries? Don't know. Probably not. But this this has often been described on this podcast as the. The football uh, association that absolutely hates itself so it's only natural that we hate celebrating and hate joy of any (laughs) description whatsoever it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax and think about work But just as well, we do hate joy because, yes, you said that just a few short weeks later, things were to come crashing down for Celtic. Uh, Tom Rogic, heavily involved, you've already mentioned it. He scores the goal that gets Celtic to penalties, scores the equaliser in extra time that takes Celtic to penalties against the newly formed version of the old rivals, Rangers, in their Return from their journey, their adventure up the leagues. Um, Mark, <laughs> it Mark took Robert, a year longer than you <laughs> it did. It did yeah. So Tom Muggage scores that very very important goal. At that point though, you are making all the calculations about how this is this is dreadful. This is absolutely dreadful. How can we possibly be in this situation where we're even in extra time against these absolute duds? But sure enough, uh, that that's the situation we were in. He, he misses the decisive penalty, but. That That's always going to be the, the one that's most remembered because it's the last one. No one ever remembers that Franco Berese also missed in the penalty shootout that Roberto Baggio missed in uh, USA 94. No one remembers that whatsoever. But Scott Brown and Callum McGregor also missed penalties in that shootout. But because Tom Rogic is the last one, that's the decisive, that's the key one that's missed and therefore is the one that, that kind of is the, yeah, the symbol the, of the failure.
1: The I'm sure the Scott Brown one was... I think Rangers went first. Right. So if Scott Brown had scored, Celtic would have went in front because Rangers missed. I can't quite remember. But I remember being furious with Scott Brown because his penalty was so bad. Yeah, it was. And it was an opportunity for Celtic to get themselves ahead. And he, he didn't take it. He didn't take it. I think Cal McGregor, he hit the bar and it mm. bounced down as well. So I think that's all we can really thank Ronnie Dyler for in this season is giving guys like Rogic and McGregor game time. So yeah. they became the players they were. Aye, Tierney as well, of course. But some of them out of necessity, some of them out of desperation. But he gave these guys game time when they weren't really getting it a lot of the time under other managers. So that's that's all we
0: can say for Ronnie. Brendan arrives for the first time. For the first yes. time, Brendan Rodgers arrives. He uh, goes on to play 37 times and score 12 goals in what is arguably the greatest season that any of us have ever experienced. Of course, that I uh, make allowances for people of different generations potentially listening to that and completely disagreeing it. You might prefer the centenary season. You might even be lucky enough and old enough to remember 1967. You might remember that. But for, for the modern era, arguably the, the greatest season of our, of our lifetimes um, and it's the, the Invincible Treble so Brendan Rodgers comes in and, and ignites that and Tom Rogic, of course, scores the most iconic goal of not only that season, but of potentially the 21st century for Celtic. It is the the one moment that everyone who is lucky enough to witness it, whether it was there live or whether it was on telly, who who witnessed it in any way, that is the most joyfully remembered goal of Certainly, this side of the year 2000, I think it's I think it's probably up there with with anything that's happened this century, and it's Tom Rogic who does it, and that for me seals his place in in Celtic's history. We'll come on to what we think of him as a player eh, a wee bit later on, but we're just talking about the big moments, highs and lows at the moment. But eh, this goal in the final the Scottish Cup final against Aberdeen he had had actually scored in the League Cup as well he scored the first goal of the League Cup final against Aberdeen but this is the one that won the Invincible treble and I've spoken about it before it's it's something that comes up occasionally on the podcast because of what an amazing moment it was so many iconic images from it the the celebration the the rainfall the Craig Gordon dropping to his knees and the the players just being over in front of the crowd And all and all that. I've I've spoken about how I was in I was in the Griffin watching it and it wasn't rammed, it wasn't like shoulder to shoulder. But when that goal went in, I was there with two of my pals, and it's one of those moments, indescribable moments, where it's just like, just grab a stranger. Like there was me and two of my pals, (laughs) we just sort of grabbed each other, and all of a sudden there's like Four, five, six, more—just people, men, women, children, all just jumping about in a mad huddle uh, after that goal went in. Just a, a just a brilliant moment. I've also described as well. I ripped a shirt. <laughs> I I, I yep. wore a shirt for the first time that day. Ripped the sleeve off it, but it was it, it <laughs> was not wasn't a bit of dampener on things. What an incredible moment, and it's all thanks to Tom Rogic. Yeah, it was,
1: what a moment it was. If you could bottle up the feeling of that that moment then oh you could sell that for millions I think the I remember the game and it was waiting for Jamie before the game it was bucketing down at some points and then it was sunny then it rained during the game and I remember when the ball goes up there I think it's Craig Gordon with a big punt Jamie said it's coming or here it comes the ball drops and then Rogic picks up and then seconds later it's in the net oh it was euphoric we were just sort of if Tom Rogich had a ran to the other side and celebrated, we were exactly where he celebrated, just over the other side. And I just want to know, Stephen, did that guy ever get his glasses back? <laughs> man? Yeah, that's right.
0: <laughs> uh, there, must, there must be so many great stories from that. People were just absolutely losing their shit. You could fill an entire podcast with that. See the guy that's sort of
1: surfing on top of yes, everybody. yeah. Aye, that's, that's Kevin Miles I know oh yeah guy, yeah you know? the, the
0: musician Glasgow based musician Kevin Aye. Miles that's right yeah it's almost like it's not real the picture it's, not, it's like an AI generated uh, image yeah. of fans celebrating it's absolutely incredible the faces oh just again you could talk about this, this moment all day really it was absolutely amazing and Tom Rogic, in typical Tom Rogich style it, it was a very, very Tom Rogic goal as well. It's not like it was just a goal that happened to have been scored by a certain player. It was it had him written all over it. Every touch in it and the finish was quintessential Tom Rogic and oh boy, what a, what a day, what a moment. Yeah, it was
1: a good season for him. He did get injured. It, that that game he came on as a sub. This was his first game back, I'm sure. And Cal uh, McGregor got moved to left-back and he got put into midfield. So... Uh, that was when Tierney went off after getting smashed yes, by the like, yeah. Cosgrove, wasn't it? So I think Tom Roggett just was easily his best season up to that point for Celtic. Got injured towards the end, but with that uh, goal the previous, uh, the penalty miss, sorry, the previous season, remember it was that was uh, that, that wee guy that got a, wanted a picture with him. But it was a video, and he, he said something. Like, oh, I missed a penalty or something like that. <sighs> he was a Rangers fan. Like, I hear oh, that. I absolutely hate well that. Well, in no. but I can't remember if he was Specky, but he's Specky and <laughs> an a, absolute a, virgin a, of the highest order and Specky energy though. is that see, from that season onwards, Tom Rogic just became an absolute. Hun scalper, oh. and I just <laughs> like to think that every time he scored against them, or set up a goal. He thought about that <laughs> we
0: towed every single time, and he time. cried. That boy cried as well. <laughs> oh, I, I hate that. I hate you know. Regardless of side, right? Uh, regardless of side, I don't want to be a hypocrite. Just leave footballers alone in public, right? Don't don't be a wido. I, I just I very very much dislike that behaviour of. It's happened to Scott Brown several times as well. Just don't don't like it at all. But special uh, mention that season for the goal we've spoken about a couple of times recently in relation to games against Motherwell and Tom Roggett scored the last-minute winner at Fur Park oh. in the December that uh, carried on the unbeaten run. Now, I, I know that you'll hear that and think, but he scored a winner, so how could that pre- prevent us from being unbeaten? But in the game, it kind of felt like it was about to go because... Oy. Motherwell went two nil up, and then Celtic got it back to two each. And then within a minute, Motherwell scored again. So you just thought, "Oh, this is just one of those days. It's just one of those days. We can't get this back." We we were level for about a minute. Motherwell scored again, and then Stuart Armstrong scored a minute after that. And then it looked oh, like it was going to be a draw.
1: Ever from Patrick? Roberts. Oh, of
0: course that's right. And then it looked like it was going to be a draw. And if I remember, I, I watched that in Malones. It was an early kickoff, and I got there. And it was one of those days where time kind of got away from me a wee bit. So uh, I was meeting a pal of mine in there and he was already there. And I just thought, do you know what? I'll get something to eat later on. I'll get something to eat while I'm (laughs) out. Always a big mistake, in it? So the game starts at half 12. Elvino did flow a couple of pints in. And I'm already (laughs) (laughs) already starting to get that weird queasy stomach feeling where I'm drinking on an empty stomach. But I remember thinking, right, I'll take the draw. Because at that point, the over-unbeaten thing had started to feel quite important not that it really necessarily was halfway through a season but it had started to feel important but that goal going in I'd admit, I distinctly remember thinking the Huns are going to be furious at that they'll, be, they'll oh, be picking up their jackets leaving to go to their game and they'll be absolutely raging that we scored another last minute there so a special mention for that goal in that that amazing season but it doesn't come close to the euphoria of the, the cup final absolutely amazing you mentioned Hun Kelpin the following season, 2017-2018, oh. he scored eight goals in total, right? Scored eight goals for Celtic. Six of those were against either Rangers or Linfield. So uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> a little remembered aspect of the, the versatile scalping he was doing that season. He scored home and away against Linfield as well. But uh, what are what your memories of that season? Because that, that was grade A scalping, only to be bettered by Kyogo. In the most well, just last season, as we record this, but that that was that was absolutely tremendous.
1: Oh, that's why I just think of that we toad, and I just think Tom Rogic. That's probably what spurred them on, Stephen. Yeah, yes, He was great. I remember the the early one in September. I think it would have been at Ibrooks. It was just a routine two 0 win for Celtic. He gets the goal sort of from a a sclacht, uh, shot from mm. a corner, and he's there, but. The rest of the goals he scores against Rangers that season are absolute peaches. This wasn't the vintage season for Celtic. We did win a double treble, but there was a lot of draws, a lot of drop points in it. But the pastings we dished out to Rangers that season were up there with the best, whether it being... Cup games or at Ibrox or at Celtic Park, winning the league uh, against them as well. It ju- you just every time he played against Rangers, you expected them to score. And I don't think you'll see any better than the one at Ibrox. Me, you and Jamie were yes, there. Yeah. Celtic are a goal down. Tom Rogic picks the ball up and just bends this shot into the corner. Then bends. Uh, what was his name? That we. Uh, youth guy the centre half that they thought was going to be the next best thing Wilson? Bates was
0: it oh Bates right of course I, I'm David, thinking with Danny Wilson
1: basically I think he broke his ankle or done his leg oh, yeah, yeah. he Aye. when his foot plants after it so you've just injured one of them and you've scored at Ibrox <laughs> and he does the wee cup the year celebration he just loves scoring against yes. them and that was an absolute screamer of a goal and one of the best Derby games you'll see it had a bit of everything in it and Celtic came out victorious and won the league. But oh, the goals he scored that season, one at Hamden where he does a wee drag back and just places it in. The one at Celtic Park as well where he just bends it past uh, Fodderingham, I think it is, yeah. uh, after Tierney's been taken down. The game that Celtic should have went on and destroyed them at even more, it was 5-0 after, like, 55 minutes, wasn't
0: it? Yeah, that's right. Uh, infuriating, absolutely frustrating when that you think back to that game, you could have absolutely buried them. But, you know, we'll take our five. We'll take our five, I, sub- <laughs> I suppose. It's better than four. But, uh, aye, t- w- what a season that was. Tom rogic got, what, four? Four goals against Rangers, scored every time he played against them, incredibly, from a, a midfielder, albeit an attacking midfielder, but never, never somebody who was massively prolific he'd, he'd got goals previously he'd got scored 10 one season 12 the next so he's he's doing well in terms of goal scoring but he's never been that sort of uh, an incredibly high output in terms of in terms of goals just he scored just under 50 goals i think in his entire celtic career but to get four of them in one season against rangers <laughs> absolutely tremendous They must have been absolutely sick of the sight of that guy <laughs> but not not so much as a Uh, Player of the Month award in sight. I don't really remember him getting any of those. It never really happened for Tom Rogge. He just flew under the radar for that. Neil Lennon comes back. Neil Lennon arrives. Brendan Rodgers walks out in the middle of the night, as people are fond of saying. (laughs) A midnight flitting down to Leicester. Brendan Rodgers goes and Neil Lennon comes back in to save the season. Now, I I think it's probably fair to say that his time under Lennon, second time around, probably first time around as well, actually, first time around, combined his time under Lennon wasn't he great very very no. injury hit very inconsistent patchy played an awful lot less and in the I think in the second season maybe going into the Covid season I think he'd become an increasingly peripheral figure you had guys like Ryan Christie who were in quite good form El Gunusse had been brought in I just think it felt for all the world that Tom Rogic's race was run at Celtic to be honest it yeah. just felt like a kind of outsider now and it culminated in him being linked with the that move to Saudi Arabia. Before Saudi Arabia had really gone for it, this was just when Saudi Arabia were a kind of, really? You're going to Saudi Arabia? It wasn't the, the kind of fashionable um, end of career destination for players it has become now. But there there was the link with Saudi Arabia at the time. And he must have only been about 27, 28 at the time. And I remember thinking, I don't want that to be the end for him. I really don't yeah. because kind of like I said up front here, I don't want him to go somewhere where I can't see him. Even if I, <laughs> this is quite, quite hard to articulate, but even if I don't actually watch his career after Celtic, I kind of want to know that I could. If I really weren't looking for it, I could. But I'm not going to watch Saudi Arabian football. It's just not going to happen. So I remember thinking selfishly, don't do it, Tom. You're far too good for this. You're far too good. And I don't, I don't want Tom Rogic to be lost to the European game altogether. But I wouldn't have been surprised at the time because it just didn't. It felt like it was very slowly... Grinding to a halt for him a wee bit under yeah. Neil Lennon. No, I'm not again. I'm I'm saying the word the name Neil Lennon a lot here. I'm not blaming him for it. It was just Neil uh, Tom Rogic had started to pick up very niggly injury problems and fitness worries, and he, just, he was a guy who traditionally took quite a while to get back to full fitness after he'd been out for a wee while. So it always just felt like he was coming and going, and never really clicking into full Tom Rogic gear under Neil Lennon. No, it just it didn't work out for him, and it got to that
1: point where you're like, look, he's brilliant on his day, but we simply can't rely on him to play every week, so you have to get somebody else in. So having him about, even then, brilliant, but he can't be even be relied upon to be on the bench a lot of the time because of his injuries, it was just frustrating, and the towards the end of that, you just thought, Time might be up for Tom Rogic yeah. here because Celtic were linked with Eddie Howe, obviously, massively. And look, if it had been MD but Ange, you probably wouldn't have been surprised at all if Tom Rogic had a left. Celtic needed a clear out, they needed all new things. And with Ange coming in as well, you thought, will Tom Rogic be able to play this type of football after all these injuries he had? And I remember when he, Ange first came in, it was sort of McGregor. Uh, Sorrow and Turnbull in midfield, and you—we cannot go a season with us in midfield. We simply cannot do this. And then one of the, was it was at the one of the games at Dundee, or well, one of the home games. He just went with McGregor, Rogic, and Turnbull. I was like, well, "This is bold, hmm. bold it was, Stephen." And what a what a season it turned
0: out to be. Oh well, despite several years of brilliance, as we've already described here, and making history. A number of times with Celtic here, he was to leave the best for last. He had his best season in his last season. No one saw that coming. Yes, there is the the obvious link where you think, oh, Australian plus Australian equals you know, the, the magic, the, the best football of his career. But I don't think that all that many people would really have believed that at the time, given that, his, as I said earlier, his previous couple of seasons hadn't gone, it wasn't terrible, but he was just in and out and you kind of thought that this was the end of it, as you, you've already said. Do not see him really adjusting to this year, but and the, the guy who, as we said, left him out of the, the World Cup squad, he came in, 50 appearances, six goals, and ended the Celtic career in the best way by, let's not forget, wrestling the title back from Rangers, and that's that's his last season at Celtic. He won the PFA Men's Footballer of the Year award. Among his key contributions that season, he had the equaliser at Ibrooks after Aaron Ramsey yep. remember him Aaron Ramsey had given Rangers the lead he scored the only goal in a win over Motherwell and you remember that Angie's time was absolutely brilliant one of the most exciting times of our lives here but first season was close first season where I really had to dig oh, in it was and a and, lot of 1-0s yep, yeah yeah mine. we had to battle for that title and that was massive having beaten Motherwell 1-0 at home you look back; all the all the points were, were prisoners at that point. He's, uh, he's, he
1: crosses the ball in for Anthony Ralston as well for that. Oh yeah, fateful yeah. Fateful goal, of
0: course. That's right. So, and a further brace against Motherwell at Fir Park, and that was that was the game after which he said, in a very rare, I nearly said outburst, but that's not really was what it was. It was setting the record straight. Do you remember the interview? Rare it was, interview, anyway. Yeah, as I said earlier, you rarely heard Tom Ruggett speak. Uh, just, it was just something about his personality but he didn't really take to stuff like that. Just wasn't interested in it. Fiercely private guy, so I don't think he really liked talking to the media. But he he was asked about the title race and you know how it was Celtic were back on top after Rangers had been you know, the various you know kind of swapping positions a wee bit. It was a, a bit of a title race, and he put the record straight by saying, "Well, Celtic have been on top for the last decade, so it's a position we're used to." And it was such a such a rousing, a blood-pumping moment because not only was it true and needed to be said and deserved to be said, it was coming from Tom Rogic, the guy who would probably rather be anywhere else other than having to speak to the media and he, he set a few things straight that day. It was a great moment. Yeah, but it's
1: between him and Adam Moy who hates doing it the most. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember I being at that game, thinking think it might have been that was the first time probably since this, I probably in the season that maybe Celtic had got to the top of the league, uh, and I remember after the game the players celebrating in front of the stand, and the guy came over to grab Rogic, and it took some convincing. <laughs> then he was taken over. He sort of wearing behind the goal to the left hand side stand, but the stand it doesn't meet, and there's just this the sort of a. Uh, Board behind him On the side of the stand Where they're interviewing So you could see him Getting interviewed But it wasn't until The bus home you heard what he said And you're like Yes Tom That <laughs> is absolutely brilliant And like Watching these All these goals back The thing that really
0: helps you is the strips change Yeah, because yeah, Tom yeah. Rogic simply does not <laughs> no. change. <laughs> no, exact same, apart, apart from when he was about 19, exact same haircut the entire time. It really is remarkable and we'll talk a bit about him as a player in a, in a couple of minutes but it's, uh, you, you're right, it does help when you, you see the different sort of eras in there because it helps sort of plan it out, separate it out in your head but ahead of that, the final league game of that season, it's announced that he is to leave Celtic. A wee bit of a surprise because... We weren't it. No, it, it. was it was a, a, a surprise because he'd had his best season at Celtic. Uh, not in terms of goals, I think he only scored six that season, but he, in terms of his contribution, in terms of his play, was absolutely magnificent that season. And we thought that, i but I'm just here, we could do this again. We could do it again, brother. We could do it all again next season. Why, <laughs> why are you even thinking about leaving? So it was announced and we just thought, okay, it's it's a good time though, isn't it? It's a good time. Like all we can ask of these players, some don't get it. Some don't get the 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 perfect send off. Look at all the players who who had to leave. Especially Scott Brown had to leave after that season yeah. a few years ago. They didn't get the 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 proper send off. And I'm not talking about send off as in coming out to wave to the fans and all. That. I'm talking about the the walking off into the sunset. with a bit of success. We we a title. Not everybody gets that. And for Tom Rogic, it just seemed like a, a hard a hard one to take, a bitter pill to swallow. But I understood it. I, I got it. I was like, how can it possibly get any better from here? How how can it? I mean, it did. It, we won, only won a treble <laughs> next season, but you never know. He could get injured or he could lose his place and he's kind of forgotten about the next season. You never know. But for him to be Player of the Year and to hang up his boots, football, well, his Celtic boots at that point, and walk off into the sunset... Difficult to take, but I I did get it at the time. I did, unfortunately, eventually.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think it just seemed like Celtic, like when you think about it, that form from January onwards won Celtic the league, and you can see why with McGregor, O'Reilly, Hattati, Rogic, all as your options in there. This is brilliant. And even then, Turnbull was a really good player for Celtic that season. So five midfielders but you just felt towards the end of that season despite them having a big impact they obviously set up the Kyogo goal as well in the cup final you just felt this style of plays just moving a wee bit beyond Tom Rogic but Adam Moy came in and played in there yeah. so good players come in, come, come in and do that but just when you you've seen that and then the interviews and I remember watching it and going oh no man no, that way you're just your heart just goes for because <laughs> 'cause you're yeah. no use to hearing this guy speak. No. Never mind. Pour his heart out about the club and talk about how he's had a great time. Then the tears on the last day and you're the same as me, Stephen. I can't handle people crying, man. It's just especially when it's a sort of happy tear and it's just oh, what a player. Glad he got the send off he deserved. Him and the. Uh, Tom managed to squirm his yeah, way yeah, in yeah. there on it but uh, oh what a player and I'm glad he got that, that send off and we had sealed the league before that last game at Celtic Park and it was just a party atmosphere. Goodbye to Tom Rogic. Off you go into the sunset because like you were saying I always say very rarely does that happen for yeah. players, managers, anyone but Tom Rogic went with Everybody's best wishes and topped it off by having the best season he'd had. Oh, what a player! A special player to watch, and it was a pleasure to watch him.
0: Nine seasons in total, sixteen major honours, including six titles and four trebles. I mean, it's not bad, <laughs> is it? It's not bad. If you're going to go out, then it's it's a it's a pretty decent haul to go out on for a for a guy who. Who won a competition to be here—it's uh, it's not a bad at all. To walk out with the men's Player of the Year award as well, just a spectacular Celtic career, in in my opinion, of course. So, what? How are you going to remember Tom Rogic, the player? Be—I mean, we can be balanced about this as well because he did have his shortcomings, um, and we can talk a bit about those. But what? Are, what are the main things that stand out for you as Tom Rogic?
1: I think it's the same as like, sort of to get philosophical. Life in it, you kind of. You don't always remember what people say to you, but said to you, but you remember how they made you feel. And Tom Rogic had so many moments as a Celtic player. You're going to be hard pushed to find a player in the last 10, 15, probably pushing to 20 years now, because we're coming up on 20 years since Larson left. Soon that has so many highlights as a oh, Celtic player. Yeah. So many big, big moments, goals against Rangers. Goals in Champions League qualifiers, goals in cup finals. He scored against Rangers at Celtic Park, at Ibrox, at Hampden. He'd done it all. Goals against Hearts, the silk, the the goal against Dundee United in his last season. He takes them on and just puts it into the bottom corner. Just a brilliant player to watch. And we don't say that as much as we maybe should. You went to a game and if you had Tom Rogic in the team, you think... Celtic can make something happen here A brilliant player to watch on his day And while it wasn't always plain sailing for him at Celtic The big moments he had There was loads of them There was absolutely loads of them I love watching the guy play Towards the end he just That last season was the sort of pinnacle of it And all his highlight reel You're not going to get much better than that Unless you go back to Henrik Larsson What I was going to ask you is Where does he sort of ranking this if you were doing a sort of Celtic 11 there's been over the past maybe five years I'm starting to think from when I started watching Celtic through to Martin O'Neill and now in the last five years there's a lot of players over the last five years that might sneak their way into my all-time Celtic 11 and Tom Rogic has got to be
0: one of them the guy has done
1: absolutely everything there is to do at Celtic
0: well for me um, Tom Rogic is I don't like to get too bogged down in the various definitions of your know, categories that people the sort of titles that people like to band around such as legend great you know is he a legend no but he's a great but it, it doesn't really matter that much because those can be fairly subjective they could just be you know, based on your experience and your era that you've you've enjoyed watching the most and Based, you know, how things have made you feel, that, that you, you've summed it up very well there, so I don't like to get bogged down in that too much, but if you were to come to me with a set of criteria that make a Celtic player a legend, for me, Tom Rogic goes into that because, oh, as we've just discussed, the, the big moments there... That are going to be unforgettable in fifty years' time. People are still going to be talking about that goal that Tom Rogic scored in the the cup final. They're still going to be talking about how he scored four in against Rangers in the one season. They're still going to be talking about all these massive moments. And the, the thing that often colours these debates is that often when a player's career is long gone, there isn't so much scrutiny on it, and you distill it down to the big moments. And as you've already said, that guy's highlight reel is up there with anyone. No one really remembers. If you're going to compare him to the likes of Lubo Morawczyk and Shinsuke Nakamura, which I don't think is ridiculous, you can certainly have the conversation. If that conversation ends up with you disagreeing with someone else and that person says, nah, 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 it's Nakamura and Lubo for me all day, that doesn't matter. What I'm getting at is that I don't think the conversation is ludicrous. I don't think that he doesn't deserve to be in that conversation. No one ever remembers the what Lubomir Muravchik was doing in between those massive moments. No one really remembers that he was actually a sub quite a lot for Martin O'Neill in, in his yeah. other seasons. So again, I'm not I'm not sort of saying this to do these players. Then what I'm saying is that quite often we just sort of mentally boil players' careers down into the major moments, the ones you remember. And if you do that in ten years' time, when you look back on Tom Rogic's career. For me, it's comparable with any of these guys because of what he's achieved and what the, the history that he's contributed to on the pitch for Celtic. It could be said, and I don't know if you have any input on this as well, that the European performance didn't really come. But are we now getting to a point with Celtic where that is an impossible standard to hold people to because Celtic themselves aren't really a force in Europe anymore? Is it, is it unfair to demand that Tom Rogic do the same as Lugo and Nakamura and all that did in Europe when Celtic can't. So I, I do I do appreciate the the need for him to have had a Champions League performance. But Celtic have been fairly well, we've been disastrous in the Champions League throughout Tom Rogic's um tenure at Celtic. So I don't I don't particularly care about that. Again, I'm only voicing my opinion. For me he's a, a bona fide Celtic modern legend at the very least because again on on that Particular topic. I don't. I don't agree. I don't subscribe to the idea that legends purely belong to past generations. Like I, Celtic didn't stop making history in, in the nineteen seventies. They didn't stop making history in two thousand and five when Martin O'Neill and Enric Larson were no longer there. History has constantly been made at this club, and younger generations of which I don't consider myself one. I'm talking about kids who are coming up, watching Tom Rogic and all that today. I think they deserve to have their own legends of the of the club. They, they don't we don't get the gatekeep on that. And I think Tom Roggets will definitely be one of those in years oh, to come. I, so for me, he definitely goes into that category purely for the for the level of unforgettable joy that he brought to the fans in some of his biggest moments. The type of player he was as well, where he was like I, again I don't I don't mean to make absolutely absurd comparisons, but I do liken him to Zidane in the way that he is a a bigger, stronger guy for the type of player that traditionally would have played that position. A sort of big, sturdy, like a middleweight boxer-looking type guy, Um, but with a, a velvet touch, absolutely beautiful touch and amazing dribbling skills. Again, he's nothing like Zidane, nothing like the level of achievement and ability of him. I'm purely making that very specific comparison in that he was a very, very strong guy, very, very difficult to get off the ball once he once he had it. And that that to me is kind of what football's all about. Other people will have their own preferences, other people will like watching centre halves and you know, be no nonsense centre halves and big target men or small strikers or wingers, you know, so small nippy wingers and all that. Lovely. I, I agree with all of that there's something about the mercurial, almost enigmatic talent of a guy who's just born with a gift and used it to the best of his ability and came from nowhere, really, nowhere in in football terms, achieved an awful lot at a club like Celtic and went out on a high. For me, ticks every box for what a Celtic legend should be.
1: Yeah, longevity, trophies won, games won individually goals scored goals against Rangers goals in cup finals Tom Rogic has got it all bar that European thing but he was good in qualifiers for Celtic he scored so like I think you're right I don't think it's fair to judge players on European games than now because it's so far changed from even Gordon Strachan's time which is a long time ago now so when I think one of the things that makes him a legend and a great player for me is in five, ten years time we'll be looking we look back and we'll always say, "Oh, we need a a centre half like Van Dijk, or oh, we need a striker like Dembele or Edward, but and probably Kyogo now, but now it's gonna be we need that number ten like Rogic. I don't think MD's come close to him since number 10s really became a thing over the last 15 years. Nakamura never got to play there for Celtic, so in the time when it, it changed from four four two to 4-3-3, and whatever way you want to play that, that number 10, Celtic haven't had a better one than him. Just a guy that can change a game in a second, and I still think it's always going to be, no matter how good Celtic are, they Could always do with a Tom Rogic. They could always do with a Tom Rogic. And when you were speaking earlier, I was and I asked about my sort of Celtic best of living. Just imagine Nakamura, Rogic, and Miravchik behind Larson. That is incredible <laughs> to think about yeah. the, the guy in there. And when you put guys like Rogic up with Nakamura and Miravchik, that's fine. Arguably Rogic done more than those guys, he was there longer, scored more goals against Rangers, just doesn't have that Champions League, he definitely won more trophies than them all. For a guy to be there through Celtic winning four trebles in a row is incredible, just a great player, I'm going to miss him, I wish him all the best in life and just a, a great great guy and luckily enough I got to interview him at the side of the pitch on his last game as well and you could just see, maybe he didn't. Come here and just didn't think it was going to work out by the end. He loved this club.
0: Yeah, of course. 273 appearances, 46 goals, and zero appearances in the Celtic Christmas advert. Not one, not one (laughs) every (laughs) year. Refused, the only guy that refused. (laughs) We actually have it on pretty decent authority that he used to pay, he used to pay to not have to do the Christmas advert. (laughs) What a guy. But again, it just sort of, it just sort of tells a, a fuller picture of the type of guy he was. Fiercely private, total family man, to the end, uh, to the point where I'm not, <laughs> I'm not having any of this Christmas advert nonsense. Uh, you you can't make me do it. You can find me. So Tom Rogic, thank you so much for the memories. And your, it's good night, sweet prince, for Tom Rogic's career. Right, Stephen. Tom Rogic
1: had all the goals, all the goals you could want. But I've I've picked out three. Oh. so The the best technical goal. I've went for the Kilmarnock one.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah can't disagree
1: the best goal against Rangers I've went for the one at Ibrox uh, that broke uh, Hingy's ankle (laughs) yeah okay (laughs) and his best goal overall the invincible treble winning goal what a highlight it's not bad it's
0: really really not bad and that's that's a perfect uh, perfect encapsulation of the guy's Celtic career what you've just listed there I can't disagree with any of that he had some Really brilliant goals um, throughout his Celtic career, but I can't really disagree with any of those winners in those particular categories. So many goals against Rangers, so many big goals, so many cup final goals. Oh, uh, just brilliant! And this has been this has been thoroughly enjoyable to pour over the the details oh. of Tom Rogic's career. Just brilliant. Sad to see him go, but it's for the right reasons. Football is worse off. For not getting that extra two, three, four years Out of Tom Rogic But in many ways it was never to be It never really felt like he was going to be a a long term guy He's an enigmatic figure who came He conquered And he left it again He he left it better than when he found it But now I feel we're we're all poorer Now that we're never going to see him play football again So sad times But we've got the memories to last forever Here's Rogic Two to play It's Tom Rogic heartbroken they're on their knees they're putting so much into this game and it looked like it was going to take something a moment of brilliance from a player to win it for Celtic and this was certainly brilliant from Rogic it is Tom Rogic's fourth goal against Aberdeen this season he just keeps on
1: doing it as does that man in Celtic's modern history They have only managed to win three trebles in their entire history. And in modern times, the impact of
0: Brendan Rodgers is right up there. And he can thank that Australian. Welcome to another round of Drawing Board or Miro Board. Today, we talk brainstorms with UX designer Brian. Let's go. First question. You thought you'd see everyone's idea in the team Brainstorm, but you've got a grand total of one. Drawing board or Miro board? Drawing board, right? Because in Miro, the team can add ideas now or later. And with privacy mode, we can keep them anonymous until they're good to share. Correct. You're looking for a past idea you thought was just genius. Only you could find. Oh, there it is. Drawing board or Miro. All our finished and unfinished work lives in one place. And he's one. Join over 60 million people getting ideas noticed in Miro brainstorms. Get your first three boards for free at Miro.com. That's M I R O.com.